today on Hardwired. Now we like messages that say, well, he can't get at you. If you just say the right thing, do the right thing. But I'm gonna tell you something, folks. Sometimes we go through a sifting that we do not understand that shakes our faith and rattles us to the core of our being. There's a whole lot of shaking going on when your faith is tried like Peter's was. Why did God allow it to happen? Why didn't Jesus bind Satan from sifting Peter's faith? Why didn't he just bind the devil? There's only one answer. There was something in the sifting Peter needed. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we've been talking about Bible characters that have gone through incredible trials, difficulties, fiery ordeals, and they came out on the other side. Better for it, stronger, their faith increased, all kinds of things God did in the midst of the crucible that made them better and stronger for God than before the trial ever began. And today we're going to talk about a Bible character who I love because I can so identify with him, and that is the Apostle Peter. Peter denied the Lord. It was such a hard trial for him. He went and wept bitterly after he had done it. Yet Jesus restored him, and we're going to look at that restoration and how Peter emerged to be the preacher on the day of Pentecost. So grab your Bible. I can't wait to share part two of the message, Peter's Denial. Let's jump right in. Now we're going to see today that with, as with Peter, with Peter as with Hannah and Joseph and David, who we've talked about the last few weeks, Hannah, Joseph, and David, God never wastes even a pain. God doesn't waste a trial. He doesn't waste a valley. He doesn't waste a pain. But all things, all things, that's a lot of things, all things are made to serve him, will work together for our good. Now I want you to notice in the Bible, Jesus wasted no time in reading Peter's mail. He knows you. He knows everything about you. When Jesus looks at you, he has x-ray eyes. He knows the end from the beginning, what you're gonna think before you think it, what you'll say before you say it, where you're going before you go. And he said, you are Simon, the son of John, but here's what I'm gonna do with you. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Here's what Jesus was saying to him, and he says it to every one of us. You are one thing now, but you shall be. You shall be something very different later. You have your ways, your personality, your habits, your likes, your dislikes now, but when I'm finished with you, you will not be the same. I see who you are now, but I also see clearly who you're going to be. Have you noticed that Jesus' method with every person in the Bible that he called, his method was to define them. 
Jesus was a defining savior. You are Simon Peter. You shall be called Cephas, a rock. Here is what you are, Peter, but here is what I'm going to make you. I'm defining you. Right now, you're kind of unstable, a little impetuous, you're compulsive, you're a little bit immature in some ways. I see you, I know who you are, I've got your number, I can read your mail. But Peter, here's who you're going to be. And he defined him. He defined him by telling him who he was gonna be. Jesus was a master at stirring the hearts of his followers with purpose. What happens to you when you come board again is as radical as stones being turned to bread as one thing being turned completely into another thing. He was saying this, disciples of mine, right now, you're primarily selfish, self-centered, thinking only of how to scrape out a living by catching your next fish. But when I'm done with you, you're gonna burn to win people to me. You'll go to sleep at night thinking of how to win more souls and you'll get up in the morning excited about doing it. I'm gonna change you from, I'm gonna make you to become fishers of men. So when you go witness to people, you're not doing it because you think you should. You're doing it because you got a case of the can't help it's. Come on, everybody. You know, when God touches you, you get some can't help it's. People say, well, I smoke because I can't help it. I drink because I can't help it. I cuss because I can't help it. Let me tell you some things that'll do if you get saved. You'll praise God because you can't help it. You'll tell other people about the love of God because you can't help it. When you get around spirit-filled people, you lift your hands in the air and worship him with all of your heart because you got a case of the can't help it. You'll thank God. You'll read the Bible. You'll pray. You want to be around him because you can't help it because he's changed you from one thing into another. Give him praise today. Come on, everybody. I'm so glad for the power of God changing me, changing you. And that's why we have the message we have. Now, apart from the words of Jesus, watch this. Apart from the words of Jesus who said, I will make you to become, Peter is unexplainable. Read about Peter and he's unexplainable. He is, as somebody said, an enigma wrapped in a mystery. Apart from the words, I will make you, Simon Peter, to become, because his life is a miracle of transformation. This obscure, unknown Jewish fisherman summoned by Christ in his middle-aged years, has gone down in history as one of the most influential human beings of all time. A quick biographical sweep of his life would go something like this. Plucked from obscurity to follow Jesus from town to town for three years, Peter became one of Christ's inner three. He was present when our Lord met with Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the only disciple to ask Christ to bid him walk on the water. Forget the fact that he started to sink. The man walked on water. Peter was with John when the two peered wide-eyed into the empty tomb of Christ on the first Easter morning. Then years following Christ's resurrection from the dead, he penned the letters we now know as first and second Peter. Have you read them lately? Have you looked at them lately? They are the proclamations of a theological and intellectual giant. If you try to connect the dots from fisherman to mighty fisher of men, from blue collar worker to water walker, domesticated husband to pillar of the church, and finally, a loose-lipped braggart to a brilliant epistle writer. You'll lose the trail every time. He cannot be explained apart from the one who said, I will make you to become. I look at him. I read him. I read those letters, First and Second Peter. 
And I think he was just a salty, crusty, blue-collar fisherman in his middle years when he heard the words from Jesus, hey, you, follow me, and I'm gonna make you to become. It's a mind blower. But as you follow Peter's life, you come to a dark spot in his journey with Christ, a moment of stumbling that could have wiped him out, taken him off the map, taken him out of the race. It's a blight on his resume, that's for sure. Jesus saw it coming and said something very revealing to Peter. I want you to hear these words today. Simon, Simon, uh-huh, I have news for you. Satan has asked to have you. Huh? Say what? I'm the one that's got the keys of the kingdom. You just bragged on me a little while ago. I've walked on water. Satan has desired to have you. Here's what he wants to do with you, Peter. He wants to sift you like wheat. Now you can't hear those words without hearkening back to Job, first chapter of Job, when we see that when the sons of God, that is the angels of God were going before God, Satan came in among them, approached God and said, have you considered Job? And he began to accuse Job and attack Job. And he asked permission to attack Job. That's Old Testament. Here's New Testament. Simon, I'm God in flesh. I know what's going on in the spirit arena. And I'm telling you, Satan has gone to God and he has asked to have you. He's asked to sift you. Now this is heavy stuff. You go, wait a minute, I don't understand this. What do you mean he's asked to sift me like wheat? And Jesus said, but here's the deal. I prayed for you. I have pleaded in prayer for you. The Living Bible says that you, that your faith, should not completely fail, that your faith should not completely fail. Now, first, I want you to understand something today, church. Jesus fully knew of Satan's plan of attack against Peter, and he knows everything that Satan tries to do against you. Can I tell you the truth about the devil today? Because I want you to know that God is in charge of everything in your life. But Satan wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to rob you blind. He wants to leave you an empty void. He wants to steal your dreams, steal your hope, steal your faith, steal the light in your eyes, the skip in your step, the smile on your face. He wants your joy. He wants everything God has given you. He wants to take it away. He has asked for you. He has desired to sift you like we. Sift means to shake in a sieve. It meant inward agitation to try one's faith to the verge of overthrow. Jesus was telling Simon Peter, you're gonna have a trial so strong, Peter, that your faith is gonna be sorely, sorely tried. It's gonna be shaken to the core. Now, I gotta ask myself, Jesus was in charge of all things. Why in the world did Jesus not say when Satan went and asked for Peter, no, no, you can't touch him. You gotta ask this. You can't touch him. No, no, I'm not gonna let you have him. He didn't do that. He just said, you know what, Peter, I prayed for you. I prayed for you. I'm really lifting you up, Peter, because he is gonna sift you, Peter. Now we like messages that say, well, he can't get at you. If you just say the right thing, do the right thing. But I'm gonna tell you something, folks. Sometimes we go through a sifting that we do not understand that shakes our faith and rattles us to the core of our being. There's a whole lot of shaking going on when your faith is tried like Peter's was. Why did God allow it to happen? Why didn't Jesus bind Satan from sifting Peter's faith? Why didn't he just bind the devil? There's only one answer. There was something in the sifting Peter needed. There was something in the sifting Peter needed. 
Beth Moore in her book, When Godly People Do Ungodly Things, wrote these words. Christ called Peter knowing every flaw in him. He gave that flawed apostle a new assignment and a new name to go with it. And by heaven, the call would be accomplished even if Christ had to do it himself. I believe Jesus loved Peter's passion, but his cherished disciple also had some ingredients that could prove less palatable to the call. I'd like to suggest that everything standing between Simon the fisherman and Peter the rock needed to go. Satan had a sieve, Christ had a purpose. The two collided, Satan got used, Peter got sifted. For reasons only our wise, trustworthy God knows, the most effective and long-lasting way he could get the Simon out of Peter was a sifting by Satan. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. He was right, you see. The one who called us is faithful, and he will do whatever it takes to sanctify us, to fulfill our callings. Yes, it's that important. Remember, there are huge things going on out there that we just don't understand. And when I don't understand God's hand, I trust God's heart. I'm going to say that again. It's one of Kathy's favorite sayings, and I love it. If I don't understand God's hand, I've got to trust God's heart. How many times have you been in a situation in your life, and many of you are in it right now? You don't understand what's going on around you, neither did Peter. You don't understand what's going on around you. Your faith is being tested, shaken, sifted. You're in a sieve. You're being tested, and you don't understand God's hand. But then you have to look up and say, you know what, Lord, I believe you're in charge of all things. You know the end from the beginning. You are the providential, sovereign God. I don't understand why you allow some people to do some things, why you allow these circumstances to converge together in such a way as to shake my faith to the core. But I believe when all else fails, my God is trustworthy. I can lean on him and I trust his heart. I will understand it by and by, even if I don't now. Come on, everybody. So Jesus knew what was coming. I want you to say with me, Jesus knows what's coming my way. And he's already praying for me. Jesus knew that he would fall and he knew how. I'm gonna tell you something, Peter. You're saying you'll die for me. Son, I see straight through you. Let me tell you something. The rooster's not gonna crow today before you deny me three times. And he was pointing to his friends, his peers, and saying, though they do it, not me. Though they do it, not me. Can you say with me? He did have some things that needed to go. And he did just that. The Bible says a little servant girl approached him when he was at a fire, when Jesus was being tried in kangaroo court, just a stone's throw away from him. Peter sided up to a fire, little group of people around it, little servant girl looked at him and said, ah, 
You were with him. You're one of them. You're one of his disciples. Here's what he said in the Greek language. Ook, ook, not means not or never or not ever. Ook, oida, to know anything at all or to know somebody at all. Auton, him. He said, ook, oida, auton, I have never at all, at all known him. Right then, Jesus walked by and cast a glance at him. And Peter went and wept bitterly, and he was in pain. I know the devil, and I can only imagine how he jumped on his shoulder. Hey, yeah, you're the big boy, the one with the call, the one with the keys. Uh-huh, well, guess what? You just blew it. You just lost your calling. You just threw everything away because he heard you say it. Ook, oida. Alton, I have never known him at all. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, you walked on water, thought you were hot stuff. Sure you did. But guess what? Now you're finished. You're over with. You're a has-been. You're a should-have-been, could-have-been, would-have-been, but not now. No wonder he said, I'm going fishing. And you guys want to come with me? I'm going back to the life that I knew. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you fail God, you say, I'm going back to the life that I knew. You're going to find that if you anchor in that harbor, you're going to be confused, empty, depressed, down, and you're not going to find anything just like they didn't. They didn't catch any fish that night at all. No wonder, because there's nothing back there. All you can do is repent, get right with God, and go on down the road of discipleship because there's nothing back there. I want you to notice here, Jesus was praying for him before it ever happened. The Bible says he was praying that pain would be turned to gain. The Bible says that Jesus said to Peter, I'm praying that when you return, you're a strengthener of your brethren. You're gonna be a strengthener of your brethren. I praise God that when we give our mistakes, our lives, our messes, everything to him, he turns tests into testimonies, messes into messages. He turns our bouts with Satan into shouts to the glory of God, and he turns pain into gain. I want you to say with me, Jesus is praying for me. Say it like you mean it, Jesus is praying for me. Because the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to Hebrews 7.25. This is why he is also able to save absolutely those who approach God through him because he is always living to plead on their behalf. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's living to plead on your behalf. Father, they're covered in the blood. They're covered in the blood. They're covered in the blood. But now I pray for Tim. Tim is headed to a trial. I see it coming. He doesn't see it coming. He is seeing through a glass darkly. He has no idea what the enemy has set up against him. He has no idea what the satanic assignments are that have been sent against him. But I do. I see it clearly. I see what's coming down the road. So, Father, I pray that if he stumbles, if he trips, that he'll get back up. He won't lose his faith. You'll put a double anointing on him for his trouble. You'll put a message in his mouth out of the mess he's in, and you will give him a word for the weary. You'll help him to strengthen those who are losing their faith. You will doubly anoint him, doubly bless him, doubly be with him. And God raise him up with resurrection power that he walks again in the power of God, in the life of God. I pray all these things, Father. And then the trouble comes. 
And you don't know that when you hit trouble, you've already got the prayers of the Redeemer that have been lifted up to the face of God on your behalf. He's already covered you in prayer. You know what I say? God never says, oops, and he never says, well, I'll be. When he turned and looked at Peter, he wasn't thinking, I cannot believe you just did that. No, he already saw him doing it. He foresaw Peter's return and he would strengthen the brethren. And he sees your return. He sees you coming out of it. He sees you on the other side of your valley. He sees you on the other side of the fire. He sees you emerging with not anything on you being burned except the ropes that bound you. He sees you coming out with things that needed to go in the sifting. He sees you coming out on the other side stronger than before, wiser than before, better than before, with more understanding than before, with more anointing than before. He sees you coming out on the other side. He never wastes a pain but causes all things to serve the purpose of God in you becoming what he's called you to be. So I think of Peter. He comes out on the other side. Jesus restored him personally over a fish fry. He's with the 120 in the upper room. He has accepted the forgiveness of God. We know for a fact John heard him do it because John was hanging around in the same place Peter was when he denied the Lord. John heard him. Uk, oida, atan. I've never known him. Sorry, John, the heat's on. But he's accepted his forgiveness now. Suddenly there was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. But there's no wind. And suddenly flames of fire appear over the head of every single disciple, including Peter. And they began to speak in languages they had never been taught. And all the people gathered at the day of Pentecost heard them giving glory to God in their own language, these simple, blue-collar, unlearned fishermen. Suddenly, Peter had it, and he stood up, and the man preached a masterful message in three minutes. You can read it. It takes three minutes. But in three minutes, 3,000 came into the kingdom. Now, he's no braggart. Uh-uh. Burned off of him. Taken out in the sifting. He's not walking around strutting his stuff. He's just following Jesus. The day came when, here's how strong it was. The one who had said, Uk, Oida, Atan. I never even knew him, never seen him. People were saying, he's coming this way. Put the sick in the street. Put him in the street. He's coming this way. Who's coming? Peter, he's just like Jesus. He's coming this way. So they put all the sick into the street the crippled, the lame, the dying, the terminal. And as Simon Peter, who had said, Uk, oida, altan, as he just walked by, his shadow cast on them, healed them. There was life on the other side. And you know what I love about it? He gets arrested, thrown in jail. He knows the next day he might be executed, but he's asleep. He had no Valium. He had no Excedrin PM. But he's asleep. An angel has to pull his sword out and strike him to make him wake up. Is this the one who was so afraid of people before that he said, Uk, Oida, Altan? Yeah, it's him. He's asleep. Reminded me of somebody else who fell asleep in a boat in the middle of a storm once. Because he's now just like Jesus. 
And he's delivered from prison by the mighty angelic intervention of God. This same Simon Peter allowed them to arrest him one day, tie him up, turn him upside down and crucify him on a cross where he died that way, refusing to recant his testimony of Jesus. He's not afraid anymore. Something in that sifting burned some things out. Did it all work together for his good? Oh yeah, because all of us know about Peter. So for you, Peter's denial ought to be an encouragement because if you've failed, if you've fallen short, if you've stumbled, if you messed up, God's gonna work it together for your good. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hi, everybody. This is Jeff Wickwire, host of the Hardwired broadcast, and I'm so excited to tell you about this month's offer for you, our listeners. For a gift of $40 or more, we want to send you the beautiful new Bible put out by Tyndale called Immerse, the Reading Bible. Our offer contains a beautiful reads-like-butter New Testament featuring the New Living Translation. The Immerse Bible New Testament contains no chapters, no verses, just like the original manuscripts in which the Bible was written, so that it reads more like a story. It also comes with an eight-week reading plan, maps, and a helpful summary of every New Testament book. So if you want to try a really unique approach to your daily Bible reading, just go to hardwire.org and click Donate Now to give your gift of $40 or more. We'll send you the Immerse Bible immediately. And thanks once again for your support of Hardwired. Every dollar we receive will go toward reaching the world with God's Word.